Are you interested in Medicare? Well, too bad, because here comes the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that wants to grow up to be president. He almost beat the sun in a staring contest. Almost. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I am your Medicare specialist or expert, Doug Jones, and I am so happy to have you with us today. It's a wonderful thing to uh, be able to study Medicare together, and I'm hoping that you enjoy it as much as I'm going to enjoy it. One of the uh, tools that I use for studying Medicare is my book, my current book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. That book is available to you to purchase at a very reasonable price, either from barnesandnoble.com or from um, amazon.com. And if you go to Amazon, you're going to find four different editions. All editions have the same identical Medicare information that's going to be so useful to you. So you will either have your choice of the, uh, or you will have your choice of the paperback version, the Kindle version, the Audible version, which is the, uh, the book in which I read my book to you. And finally, the uh, $22 hardcover version. That's suitable for gifting to your friends and relatives that might need medical expertise uh, and uh, want to uh, have a thing that looks beautiful on their bookshelf at the same time. So that's the book I recommend. I don't make any more money off of that than I do off of the less expensive editions. So you take your pick, buy the one that suits you best, but be aware the important reason that you're doing that is your desire to learn about Medicare and the important uh, elements of this transaction are the content of the book. So speaking of content, uh, the gentleman who handles most of the content for the beginning part of our podcast is staring at me through the computer screen. His name is Randy Carson. Hello, Randy Carson. Good morning, Mr. Jones. You're looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Well, we each have gotten a haircut, so yes. uh, it takes one to know one, I guess, huh? I, I, I had to eventually do it. I don't know whether you had the same problem, but... I was eventually I had to do it because I was walking down to get the mail and people thought I had already dressed up for Halloween as cousin it. Yes, it was. That. <laughs> uh, it was it was cousin it. And they I scared kids. I, I was scaring children on the way to the mailbox. So I had to go get my hair cut. Well, I had a different problem. Apparently, I irritated the spousal unit and she refused to uh, to. Uh, handle any of the content she refused to, to curate the content for this episode unless i got a haircut by the time i got back from the haircut lady uh i found my cure my content uncurated in a big pile and so uh, <laughs> frankly i don't know what else i have to do to get back in her good graces but uh getting a haircut wasn't enough to do the whole job well then there was that night the other night you told me about that you and mary went out to dinner uh -huh. I, I thought this was hilarious. Uh, you know, someone, while you were waiting for your meal, 
someone called Mary and said, hey, how's Doug doing? She goes, yeah. I don't know. He's across the restaurant. I won't sit with him. Well, yeah, that's a perennial problem at the Jones house. Doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with haircuts. It's generally uh, whether I'm cooperative or not. Lately, I have been uncooperative because I've been whining. The weather here in Illinois is just not to my liking. When I look at your beautiful backyard with the sun shining on it and the exotic trees and the lush desert vegetation and the blue sky, that's all I want out of life. I'm not a um, an unreasonable man, but uh, to be stuck in Illinois at this time of the year is not to my liking. And so she is probably tired of my whining and complaining about it. And I think probably we're going to get in the car and head back to Arizona pretty soon. I'm glad that you're talking that way because I can't wait to meet up at the Buffalo Chip and maybe, just maybe, have a beer or two. Well, I think if we go to the Buffalo Chip, we're going to have to have a beer. I think it would hurt their their feelings if we didn't enjoy one of their beers. And the other good thing about the Chip, and I know a lot of people, it's going to surprise them that a, a cowboy bar... They actually they have Guinness on tap, so there's that nothing should, wrong with nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that shouldn't surprise anybody because a lot of the uh, cowboys, a lot of the people that settled the West, had come over from the uh, British, you know, from the UK. What it wasn't the UK then, but the British Isles, in yeah. order to start a new life. Life was harder in Europe back then, and uh, coming to the New World was a an adventurous but um, possibly uh, lucrative thing to do. Absolutely. Well, you know something? The other piece of good news I've got for you today is I have dipped down into my archives and I have once again brought out the fun facts called the stupidest laws in each state. Boy, I like stupid. (laughs) And I am going to craft it into, as usual, a stump the insurance expert question. I can't wait. I can't. Lay it on me. So I am going to give you, it's a little, just a little bit different twist. I'm going to let you pick the state. Okay. And tell me what the stupid law should be for that state. And I'll tell you if you're correct. Oh, you're making me work really hard for this. Well, I'll tell you something. I'm envisioning the old Howard Johnson's restaurant, children's placemats that had the outline of the United States on them, but no names of any states. Because when I first got married and Mary told me, I don't know anything about geography, very much like uh, Gone with the Wind. I don't know nothing about no birth and no geography. She said in uh, school, they took the geography time and handed it over to religious studies. And so she said, I am completely ignorant when it comes to geography. So I, every time we'd stop to eat at a Howard Johnson's restaurant, I would ask for children's placemats. And uh, then I would quiz her on the names of the states as we were driving around the United States. So I'm picturing the map of the United States with all the outlined states. And uh, you want me to pick a state too, or just? I do. You need to pick a state, then I'm going to. Then you tell me, based on your knowledge of that state, what the stupidest law in that state is or should be. All right. Well, I've got a lot of uh, knowledge about Oklahoma. So let's go with the state of Oklahoma. And if there isn't a law dealing with Indian relations, there should be. Um, There are various tribes of Indians who were um, 
given land in Oklahoma in exchange for the land that actually the white man stole from them in the eastern part of the United States. And uh, they uh, ironically wound up becoming very rich and successful due to the mineral rights they've been able to uh, acquire. And then uh, there's a movie out now called uh, The Killers of the uh, Something Moon, I can't remember the name of it. I read the book too, and I still can't remember the name of the uh, the exact name. But it's about the Osage Indians, their oil rights, and how a lot of people try to uh, steal their wealth. And I would say that probably in Oklahoma, the dumbest law has to do with Indians not being permitted to wash their dogs on Sunday. How is that? You're very that- you're very close. Oh, I like it when I'm close. Unfortunately. Of all the states you could have chosen, there is not a stupid law in Oklahoma. So you come from a state that has their head screwed on straight. Well, I love those people. I wish I could live there, but frankly, they have winter time also. So I'm going to pick one to another close state. I'm going to use the one from Kansas. Okay. And it has nothing to do with what you guessed. All right. it, It is absolutely verboten and illegal in Kansas to catch a fish with your bare hands. <laughs> well, you know, they do that a lot in Oklahoma and that's, some other that's southern the reason, places. That's the reason they can't have that law down there is because, <laughs> what do they call that, noodle, fish noodling? Noodling. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's if for people in the audience who don't know what noodling is, you get these big old fat catfish that live in uh, little caves underneath the banks of rivers and ponds. And if you want to catch one of them, the best way to do it is to feel around where you can't actually see until you find the mouth of this catfish and stick your arm down its throat and pull that sucker right out of its hiding place. And uh, you got it by its tonsils, basically. That's You noodle. got it. Well, no what now it makes perfect sense that there's no anti-noodling law in Oklahoma. Yeah. Because that's that's where they invented it, I think. They did invent it and then people in Kansas are going, "Hey, we're not going to put up with that sort of we're thing. Not, Let's this, those people at all, they're crazy. We're not going to let them do that." <laughs> all righty. Well, kudos to you. That's an excellent dumb law. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, I am going to uh, mute myself off and we're going to have to get to business because as the producer, I've got to make some money here. Well, here's here's a, a thing that also makes me laugh or makes me smile anyway. I've got a client named Barbara and Barbara lives down in Florida and she writes every once in a while to remind me about uh, the the weather that she's enjoying as opposed to the weather in Wayne, Illinois, which is not nearly so uh, so benign and beautiful. But anyway, Barbara mentioned that her drug plan, and she didn't get real detailed. She said her prescription drug plan that I sold her was not performing well. I don't know how she realized there was a difference in the performance or if it was the fact that every time she had a prescription filled, uh, they asked for larger co-pays than she expected them to. But she said that she was going to write and ask me about her drug plan not functioning properly and would I help her find one that would function better. And so I, she happened to catch me at a really busy time. As I recall, we were driving from Arizona up to Illinois to uh, move into our brand new house that is really 70 years old, but uh, newly rebuilt. 
And um, so I didn't have a chance to answer her in a prompt manner like I want to. And so she then did some of her own sleuthing and came up with the, the solution. What happened was the reason her drug plan was not performing properly was that she buys all of her drugs. She gets all of her prescriptions filled or refilled at CVS. She walked in CVS one time and she complained about the copays that she had to pay to get her drugs that should have been virtually free of charge. And the, the uh, paperwork on her that they pulled out or that they stapled to her bag or whatever indicated that she had been placed in hospice. And she said, <laughs> she said, I don't think I belong in hospice. I'm healthy as a horse and I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And so uh, Randy is uh hyperventilating over there. He's laughing so hard. But And I should say that Barbara is a, a listener to the podcast, so she's going to know that you're laughing your, your fanny off at her plight. But CVS had her listed as a hospice participant, and that for some reason caused her drug plan to be, her, her drugs to be more expensive than they would have been otherwise. So when they uh, removed that, that appellation from her account, so now when they go into her account, she is not listed as being a hospice participant. Uh, that lowered the price of her drugs, and now she says the problem is solved and everything is just fine. So I can't figure out why CVS would uh, – Randy has an idea. He's he's going to contribute. Why, if you're in hospice, would CVS want to stick it to you harder? Well, they're a huge company. They're acquiring things like Aetna Insurance and Centene, I guess, and things like that. So I'm guessing that they want to do it to enhance their bottom line. That would be the justification I could think of. They want to get their money while the getting's good, given that you're in hospice. Yeah. Well, anyway, they ought, they ought to be they ought to be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely. How she got into the hospice category, she doesn't know. I'm glad she discovered the problem because I would have been absolutely no help. If she had asked me why her drug plan wasn't performing properly, I would have had no good answer. So I'm glad Barbara found out for herself. Thank you, Barbara, for solving that problem and saving another another headache from, uh, from my uh, list of things to do. So what do we have here? Well, I found a, an article that sounds like it's got some potential, and it's called, How Do You Apply for Medicare? I have a ton of people asking me for uh, assistance here. Uh, these are people that I've never dealt with before. There are a lot of people retiring at the end of the year, and uh, they have read the book, and then they call me, and or not call me, but they send me an email, and they say, help me deal with Medicare, even though I read your book. I would rather deal with a person who can make sure I'm going the right direction. And so I have more people now than I can, than I have time to help. So this article may help some of you that are planning to sign up for Medicare. And so it starts out enrolling in Medicare should be at the top of the to-do list if you're about to turn 65. And I should modify that by saying, if you're also, if you're over 65, but you're uh, going to retire from your company plan, if you've got a company plan with 20 or more employees on it, you didn't have to have anything to do with Medicare if you didn't want to until you decided to retire. But uh, this article isn't as specific about that. So when people start collecting Social Security at age 65, they're automatically enrolled in Medicare. 
That's not entirely true. What they will do is they will send you uh, a request and they'll say, we're going to enroll you in Medicare unless you send back this reply card telling us not to do that. Because if you're working and you're uh, participating in your company insurance plan, why would you want to enroll in Medicare and pay for two plans at the same time? So let's see here. Um, however, people, when people choose to delay their collection of Social Security benefits beyond age 65 to maximize their earnings in retirement, they have to manually sign up for Medicare. Some people mistakenly believe that Medicare includes coverage of things like dental, vision, and prescription drugs, but it only provides medical and hospital insurance. Uh, boy, this is a really poor, poorly written article. Um, it was written by a guy named Paul Wynn and reviewed by Emily Gang. So if you're looking for well-written Medicare descriptions, I would say look somewhere else. As a result, some people experience a coverage gap in which they must go months without coverage outside of medical and hospital before they are given another opportunity to enroll in a private plan. Wow, this is a really poorly written article. Another misconception about Medicare is that it's free. Uncle Sam charges premiums based on how much you contributed to Medicare while you were employed. That's not true. Medicare Part A, which covers hospital insurance, charges no premium if you or your spouse paid Medicare taxes when you worked. Doug, Medicare, oh, Doug, Doug. Uh, yes, sir. I, yes, sir. I, I, don't know, I don't know anything about Medicare, and I knew that was a lie. Yeah, this whole article is just who, a bunch who wrote, of garbage. Who wrote this thing? I don't know, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> now that I know it's all crap, it's um, Emily Gang and Paul Wynn. Well, let's, on let's this look. Thing. Let's look up their book on Amazon and see if they're selling something. Oh, if they are, Every, uh, everything should... you want to know about Medicare that was wrong. Yeah, this is really ridiculous. I've been listening to a podcast uh, where a lawyer from Ohio purports to be a Medicare expert, and boy, I just grind my teeth when I listen to him pontificate. There's a lot of misinformation out there about Medicare. Uh, so let me quickly run through this and see if we can find anything that makes sense. Simple steps to prepare for Medicare enrollment. How does that sound? How could they screw that up? They probably won't. So it's important to enroll in Medicare during the appropriate enrollment periods to avoid gaps in coverage and potential penalties. Follow these eight steps to simplify your Medicare enrollment process. Okay, eight steps. I'll bet you most of them are accurate. Number one, learn about your eligibility. <clears throat> Medicare is available to older Americans, but there are special circumstances where young individuals may also qualify. Special eligibility requirements include age 65 or older, younger individuals with disabilities, um, and they mention specifically end-stage renal disease or ALS. Um, they also, uh, young people who have been on Social Security disability income for 24 months become qualified also. U.S. citizen or legal permanent resident who has lived in the United States for at least five continuous years. Number two, understand Medicare. So first is learn about your eligibility, and secondly is understand Medicare. When you enroll in Medicare, you need to become familiar with the different parts of the program. Medicare is divided into four parts. Part A <laughs> which they call hospital insurance. That's the official name. That is 
insurance that covers your expenses anytime you're locked up in a hospital, a nursing home, or a hospice uh, place, or skilled nursing facilities. Uh, they will not cover long-term care or custodial care of any kind. You've got to actually be making progress towards healing of whatever it is that ails you. Uh, part B, and they call it medical insurance. That's very confusing. This covers all of your outpatient medical expenses, and that's most people having most encounters with doctors and and other types of um, of clinics and medical providers. Part B is really the most active and vital part of your Medicare coverage because most people have uh, most people aren't in the hospital most of the time. So Part C, Medicare Advantage plans, we know that's crapola. Uh, we know that is not worthy of your uh, consideration if you want to have coverage that is not going to disappoint you. And then Part D, prescription drug plans. <clears throat> so that's uh, the uh, sum total of items under understand Medicare. Number three, collect documents. To enroll in Medicare, you will need to provide specific documents to the government to prove you qualify. The documents include your social security number, proof of age, such as a driver's license or unexpired passport, proof of legal residency, and information about your current health insurance. Really? I think that might be a little, uh, little out there. Number four, know your enrollment period. There's an initial enrollment window uh, for your 65th birth month. So you can sign up starting three months before your 65th birth month during that month, and you can sign up three months after it. And after that, you'll be a late enrollee. But also, if you're working and you're covered by your company's health plan, you don't even need to worry about that. And this article doesn't mention that at all. So don't bother enrolling in Medicare. If you are employed, you're over age 65, and you're uh, working for a company with 20 or more employees, then you're just fine if you decide not to enroll in Medicare until you decide to retire. Number five, apply for Medicare. Okay, enroll online through the Social Security Administration's website or call them. Here's a number for you, 800-772-1213. Or you can go to a local Social Security office in person. So you can go to the Social Security uh, website, you can call them, or you can go to their office in person. <clears throat> The Social Security website has a find an office tool that will help you locate the nearest office. Oh, wow. Sign up for Medicare Advantage, Part C. I don't think that's a good thing to tell people at all. Randy. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. This is a really, this is a that, misleading article. and People should not that, be signing up for Medicare Advantage. Not only is it misleading, it's very biased and wrong. Absolutely. Uh, let me read the uh, fine print under this. When you sign up for Medicare Part A and B, you should also consider enrolling in a Medicare Advantage. And then it does mention Medigap or Medicare Supplement or and or prescription drug plan. Jeez, this is really <laughs> people. If you are if you're in possession of this article written by these two people, tear it up and burn it right now. Don't fall prey to this. And then it says, step number seven in your Medicare enrollment process, sit around and wait. <laughs> number eight, assess your Medicare plan annually as benefits may change in Medicare Advantage or Part D plans. Finally, finally, something that's uh, really true. Medicare Advantage plans are going to be changed 
they'll often change in such ways that uh, they become something that you wouldn't have bought if they had not changed. And this is part of the disappointment people find with their Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, Overnight, uh, something will happen, they'll wake up the next day and they won't even recognize their their new Medicare Advantage plan. Let's see. So, um, common questions about Medicare enrollment. Oh boy, here we are. Automatic enrollment. A question, do you have to be retired to sign up for Medicare? No. Medicare works with employer-provided insurance, and you can have private insurance and Medicare coverage at the same time. Here's another question. Does Medicare automatically enroll everyone into the program? Answer, if you've started collecting Social Security benefits, you'll be automatically enrolled into Medicare when you turn 65. If you have chosen to delay Social Security, you will have to manually sign up for Medicare online, over the phone, or at your local Social Security office. Question, are there penalties for late enrollment? You bet your booties, Batman. Uh, The Medicare Part A has a 10% late enrollment penalty that remains in effect for twice the number of years that you were eligible to sign up for coverage but did not. However, most people qualify for premium-free Part A and do not pay this penalty. Well, then why bring it up? Medicare Part B has a late enrollment penalty equal to 10% of the monthly premium for each year that you were ineligible to enroll or that you were eligible to enroll but did not. The penalty remains in effect for as long as you remain enrolled in Part B. Well, that's pretty much your whole life, I'm guessing. So let's see, covered expenses. Does Medicare cover all medical, dental, and vision and surgical expenses? Well, I think we know that doesn't cover routine dental, vision, and hearing expenses, but it covers root, um, medically necessary medical and surgical expenses. <clears throat> Medicare Advantage enrollment, is it mandatory to be enrolled in Medicare to sign up for a private Medicare plan such as Medicare Advantage e, or Medigap? Answer, yes, you must remain enrolled in Medicare, Part A and B, to maintain coverage in a private Medicare plan. Actually, one of the problems with Medicare Advantage plans is they take Medicare away from you. So if you have a medically necessary uh, procedure that you have to have performed or treatment that is uh, going to be performed on you, then the plan will decide whether you have permission to get reimbursed for that. Access to providers. Do all doctors and healthcare providers accept Medicare? <clears throat> Medicare allows you to choose any health provider who accepts Medicare, but some doctors may not participate in Medicare, which means they can charge more than the Medicare approved amount. Additionally, certain Medicare Advantage plans have networks of preferred providers or <clears throat> HMO networks of providers that are the only ones that they'll pay you to go to. And if you go out of network, you'll have either higher costs or zero reimbursement. <clears throat> Another disappointing thing with Medicare Advantage plans. Question, will I pay any out-of-pocket costs under Medicare? Answer, while Medicare covers a significant portion of medical costs, there are still out-of-pocket expenses such as deductibles, coinsurance, and co-payments. These costs can add up, especially if you require frequent medical services or hospital stays. Question, where do I go for more information about signing up for Medicare? Answer, work with a licensed insurance agent. Finally, they took a smart pill right at the end of this article, and they're telling you to call Doug Jones to help you with the enrollment process and selecting your favorite or your preferred Medicare supplement and your prescription drug plan. 
So that's about it for that uh, collection of garbage. I'd like to find something a little shorter here. How to write an appeal letter to your health insurance provider. Oh, boy. The key takeaways in this article. um, Everybody has the right to appeal when their health insurance declines coverage of a treatment or service. If you write an appeal letter, it should include information that will make it easy for your health insurance company to understand the problem and why you believe an error has been made. You can request an independent external appeal if your internal appeal is denied. Picture this. You go to the doctor for the flu, to urgent care for a sprained wrist, or to the hospital for surgery. Once you, um, you're home recovering, you receive notification your health insurance is denying coverage of the related charges. Now what? Hit the pause button on the stress attack you feel coming on and turn that energy towards writing an insurance appeal. Uh, everybody has the right to appeal when coverage is denied. An appeal is a request to review a denial decision. You can appeal a health plan decision either internally, directly to the health plan, or externally by going through an outside organization. If you decide to start with an internal appeal, you have 180 days from the time of the denial, and the request must be in writing. Here's how to write a compelling appeal letter. You want to include these things in your letter to make it easy for your health insurance company to understand the problem. Uh, You want to include your name. I think that's an excellent idea. Your policy number, your the policyholder's name. Well, most times that's going to be you. Your contact information, the date of denial was denied, and the cited reason for the denial. Uh, that can all be found in the explanation of benefits paperwork that you received with the denial, and the healthcare provider's name and contact information. The doctor who was going to treat you or who did treat you uh, before the denial occurred. State the reason for your appeal. Uh, appeal. Dive into the specifics of why you believe your insurance policy covers the treatment or service that has been denied. Mention the specific language in your policy that leads you to believe an error has been made. For example, your doctor may have removed a mold that they suspect cancerous, but the service was improperly coded as cosmetic. If your plan doesn't cover cosmetic procedures, coverage for the service could be denied. Your letter should explain the mistake you believe has been made. You should request a statement from your health care provider explaining why you required treatment or service. The statement should be included when you send your appeal letter. The letter from your health care provider should also explain any errors that they made, if applicable. The previous example of improper coding would be considered an error made by the healthcare provider. Refer to any pre-authorizations, previous claims that have been approved for the same treatments, x-rays, or other medical records that back up your case. Be concise, but don't leave out any details related specifically to the denial of service. Send your appeal. Some insurance plans may allow Appeal letters to be sent via fax, but most require delivery via snail mail. If you submit the letter by fax, keep the confirmation of successful transmission until the entire appeal process has been completed. If using snail mail, send the letter via certified mail and request a return receipt. You must keep a copy of all items that you send to the insurance company, your letter, the provider's statements, and everything else. Along with the proof of delivery, store them in an organized way in a safe location so you can easily access them if needed. 
You should retain all this information until the entire appeals process has come to a close. How long does it take for an appeal to be reviewed? Your insurance company should notify you within 10 days that your appeal has been received. If you do not receive confirmation, which will typically be in written form, contact your insurance company to make sure your appeal has been received and logged into the system. Your insurance company must make determination on the appeal within 30 days, and you should be notified of that decision in writing. What should you do if your appeal has been denied? If your internal appeal is denied, you still have one more option you can pursue. Uh, you can request an independent external appeal, which is conducted by a third party instead of the insurance company. When an appeal is denied, um, health insurance companies should notify you of why your appeal was denied and of your right to an external appeal. So let's see the bottom line. If your insurance plan uh, denies coverage of a treatment or service that you believe it's supposed to cover, you can write an appeal letter. And uh, that's, uh, that's what this whole thing has been all about. So <clears throat> that's, those are the uh, instructions that one should follow if one is going to appeal a decision that you don't like. Randy, I'm hoping you're not going to appeal this whole uh, podcast episode. No, I was, I was close. Uh -huh. These people, these people were so off base. I, yeah, I, I was having, I was a hard time. Yeah, I was having a hard time maintaining my silence, as you noticed. <laughs> well, I, I don't blame you. I would have uh, been pounding on my desk as well, except I had to hold the paper with both hands. They were, they were shaking. They were shaking with anger. I how know. Could, I, I totally get it. How could people uh, mislead their readers so cavalierly? I but I guess know, it happens right? all the time. I think this is a fairly common occurrence. You get somebody with half-baked knowledge, and uh, you know, you've know you got to find somebody who's fully baked, and I don't know how easy that is. You found I one know. here, but if you want if you want another source of good Medicare information, it's going to be uh, hard to find. Well, I, I would let you know, folks that are on this podcast, that Doug Jones is experienced and fully baked. Thank you. I, I am baked, and I appreciate that, sir. So we need to land the plane. Our 75-cent bell rang a little bit ago. So let's go ahead and get the, get the plane landed. But before I do, there's a few things I always like to mention, just in case you want to reach out to Doug. And one of the ways you can do that is to send him an email. And you can reach that at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. I always want you to remember that Doug Jones is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out on the website at medicareforthelazyman.com. We would always appreciate a review on the podcast and the book because, as you might know, everything in today's world is all, especially on the internet, is all about the numbers. But last but not least, I want to thank you for joining us. You could have been 100 different places doing at least 99 different things, but you weren't. You chose to spend a few valuable moments with us on the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And in case you weren't tracking on your watch, the number of moments you spent was you spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's living in Cave Creek up in the high mountain altitudes behind the city, usually. But now he's out in the flatlands of Illinois. So... I don't need to quote him as an altitude because I think it's pretty much uh, low ground out there, right, Doug? 
Oh, yeah. And it's mushy, too. I got to tell you, the rain <laughs> and the falling leaves. I want to go home to Arizona. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you, Randy. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>